Welcome to Igros Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh HaYeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And uh, today we're looking at Tuvot on the topic of I, immersion, and specifically for today's episode on the topic of Chatzitzot, of obstructions on the body that prevents water from coming in contact with the surface of the body when a woman immerses uh, for nida purposes. And there are many, many cases that come up with this, and Rav Moshe has so many tshuvot on this topic, dozens of tshuvot on this topic, because this is a very common occurrence. You might want to retitle our episode as uh, earplugs, fillings, and braces, um, just three of the topics that we're going to look at that Rav Moshe deals with. Um, and these are both highly relevant and make a huge difference. If a posig says it's a problem, it prevents a woman from going to the mikvah for a long, maybe a day, maybe a long period of time. And number two is fascinating in terms of demonstrating Rav Moshe's approach to Psak um, and how he uses his conceptual understanding of the Gemara to, uh, to um, drive him towards a particular Psak. So we start with a tshuva from Yordea 198, and um, this is an early one from before he emigrated. Uh, it's in Luban, and it's dated April 1934. And the question was about a woman who the doctor said uh, had an ear infection, and if she did not ha wear an earplug when she went underwater, she would risk losing her hearing. And the question is, this, does this constitute a chatzitzah? Because logically, it would. It is something that is not worn the rest of the time, something only worn now, and also something that is worn to specifically prevent water from entering the body. It's not like something that's worn for health purposes, like a bandage, um, where you could say that is actually um, doing some function and you want that on the body. Here, yes, you want it on the body, but specifically, not any other time, now to keep the water off. And it would seem that that's a classic example of chatzitzah. So the rabbi asking Rav Moshe this question said, maybe we can be lenient because this is only rabbinic. Why is it only rabbinic? Because it's on a minority of the body, and a chatzitzah on a minority of the body is a rabbinic problem. And therefore, since on the other, if we say her, she's forbidden, one of two possibilities will happen. Either she'll uh, not go to the mikvah and, and she and her husband will continue to have sex and then they will transgress major, major biblical prohibitions. Or she will listen to this psaq and never go to the mikvah because she's not allowed to go to the mikvah and therefore be separated from her husband and never be able to have sex with her husband. So if you tell her she can't go to the mikvah, then if she follows the halacha, she won't go to the mikvah and she and her husband will never be able to have sex. And that, of course, will be tragic. So maybe the rabbinic restriction should be overridden given what's at stake. Now, Rav Moshe does not address this. He does not say whether, if it really came to that, uh, he would be prepared to agree with that and to override the rabbinic restriction. But what he does say is, I don't have to go there because I can demonstrate why this is not a chatzitza. And why is that? So he says, first, I'll give you some proof. The Gemara in Shabbos says that a woman can go out on Shabbos with a type of an earplug, a type of a cotton in her ear, and we're not concerned that she might take it out even if there is no Erev. And the principle is that would only be true if it was not something that would constitute a chatzitza. That's the discussion there. So Rav Moshe says, you see that an earplug does not constitute a chatzitza. And here, too, we're talking whether a plastic earplug or Rav Moshe's specific case was cotton and cotton dipped in Vaseline that would harden it and really make it something that would keep the water out. So Rav Moshe says, here's why 
I think we have a, that that's true. We have a Gemara that indicates it. Ach tam. Why is that true? Why is it not a chatzitza? And he says, look, we're dealing here with something that Halacha calls Beit Hastarim. Beit Hastarim is an orifice, like the mouth, um, or what's the eye below the eyelid, or the ear, the inner ear. And Halacha says that water doesn't have to enter there, as you know, the practice is, of course, a woman doesn't have to keep her eyes open or doesn't have to uh, open her mouth. But there cannot be any chatzitzot in those places. No chatzitzot, no, no meat caught between the teeth and so on. So Rav Moshe says, let's understand why this is true. Since um, she doesn't have to open her mouth, but isn't that effectively a chatzitza? If there can't be a chatzitza, how does it matter if water isn't getting in because of meat stuck between her teeth or because the woman is closing her mouth? And Rav Moshe says that here we have to understand conceptually why this, this is this split law by the orifices, by the Beit HaStarim, that water doesn't have to go in there, but she can't have a chatzitza. And Rav Moshe says it's important to categorize chatzitzot into two categories. There are things that are actually stuck to the body. That's called a chatzitza because they are part of the body and prevent water. Then there is something else that is not connected to the body, which prevents water. That's not a chatzitza. The problem there, though, is that water didn't touch the body. So if my friend holds my hand, that's not a chatzitza. But if that stops the water from getting on my hand, it's not a legitimate tvila because at the end of the day, the water didn't touch my hand. Those are two categories. One is a chatzitza, one is not, and just practically prevents water from getting in. So if Moshe says, so, you know, that's the case by the orifices. Water doesn't have to get in. That's why I can close my mouth. Because closing my mouth doesn't constitute a chatzitza. Why? Because it's not something like tape stuck to my to my lips or something, or something inside my cheeks that is stuck, or something between my teeth that's stopping water from getting there. It's not connected to my body. Similarly, if my friend would hold his hand or her hand over my mouth, that would also not be a chatzitza. Um, and if it would not touch any surface skin, says Rosh Moshe, that would be okay. Because on your surface body, both you cannot have a chatzitza and water actually has to come in contact. My friend holding my hand would be a problem. But on the orifices, it's only a problem of the chatzitza. And therefore, says Rav Moshe, in this case, when it is a davar acher hamichaseh, something else that is covering, you cannot say the place is not fit as far as the part of the body is not fit for water to go in because the body as a body is fit for water to go in. There's nothing on the body preventing it. It's something external to the body that is preventing water. And that's a problem for the surface areas, not for the orifices. Water doesn't have to go in the mouth and therefore you can, something external could prevent water from going into the mouth. And therefore, Rav Moshe says, well, that is the case with this earplug. The earplug is not stuck to the body. It's just filling up the hole. Effectively, what he is saying is, putting an earplug in your ear is like closing your mouth. You're closing your ear. And therefore, since it's not attached, it's not a chatzitza and it's not a problem. It's the second category. It's like closing your mouth or holding on to a person's hand. It's not stuck to her ear. And even if it was really, really tight, even if it was really tight in the ear, 
it's only not moving because it's stuck, it's, it's, it's fitted in a very tight way, but it actually is not physically stuck to the ear. Um, there's nothing holding it, adhering it to the ear. And therefore, be'etzem eno dabuk. So therefore he says, the ear does not have any chatzitzot. Effectively, what you have done is just closed your ear like closing your mouth. And then Rav Moshe says, look, I would prefer that there not be Vaseline, but even if there was Vaseline, which you probably need to make it waterproof, that's okay for this reason. Now, he never addresses the fact that wouldn't the Vaseline make it actually stick to the ear? It's a sticky substance. He seems to feel that you could do it in a way that it would be waterproof without actually making it stick to the ear. I guess if you didn't, if it wasn't because it was in a tight fit, if you put the Vaseline and the piece of cotton on your hands, it would fall off. So here too, it's not really stuck to the ear. And therefore he concludes, And therefore, given that it means a woman not being able to be with her husband for a long period of time, you can allow it. This seems to me to be the right interpretation. And we know that the rabbis were very, very lenient um, when it came to issues of aguna. This is a type of an aguna situation. If she can do it without Vaseline, better, but if she has to do the Vaseline, even that is true. If she's afraid to do it with a dry one, she can have it in Vaseline. I've managed with my conceptual explanation to explain many, many sugyot in the Gemara. We did not go through them, but Rav Moshe creates this conceptual framing, and then he explains many topics in the Gemara, and he says, you see this conceptual explanation is correct. There is not a problem between a dry pad and a pad that is uh, smeared with Vaseline. Both of them are not considered a chatzitzah. It just prevents water from getting into the ear by something external to the ear. So here what Rav Moshe has done is he creates a very clear conceptual explanation of two categories of chatzitzot, how both are relevant to one part of the body and only one to another, brings evidence from the idea of closing the mouth and so on, and puts this into that second category and says, because it's an orifice, it's okay. So this was a very bold psaac, not just that he allowed it, but he allowed it based on his conceptual framework, not sort of stacking up poskim to prove that that was the case, all based on his read of the sources. So in another tshuva, there are many tshuvot that follow this, that rabbis really argued with him and thought that he was taking too many liberties. And one we read earlier when we dealt with halachic methodology, and I'll just read a line from it. This is Yerdeo 1101 from June 1934, very soon after the other one. And he says, how could I rely on my insight and my way of reading the Gemara for practical halacha? And it goes against certain of the later poskim. And I, Rav Moshe, respond and say, he says, what do you mean? Torah always is continuing. It's our responsibility to continue to bring our insights into the sugyot. Um, and do you think we can only just be tabulators of what's already been paskint? No. We have an obligation. And do you think that when we have the ability to decide if it's not already Paskin, we shouldn't decide? So of course you can see that when it's not already Paskin, we have to decide. So even when it's already Paskin, we have a responsibility to understand the sugya to the best of our ability and to Paskin as we see based on our read of the earlier sources. It's forbidden to think that we can just 
poskim based on previous poskim. It's fascinating how he connects this responsibility in terms of halacha to also, this is what Talmud Torah is about, to con, to expand the Torah. Od yagdil Torah, umuchuyav, Everybody has to paskin to the best of their ability. Now, it's true, says Rav Moshe, we shouldn't be gasim b'hora'ah, we shouldn't be arrogant and always just go to our understanding. There is a reality of precedent. But when a serious case comes up like this, like Aguna, the real responsibility of a posek is you approach the primary sources with your best understanding. It's not an issue of tabulating the previous poskim. And as I said, this is really fascinating because this is totally totally Rav Moshe's halachic methodology, and it stands in stark contrast to the methodology of Rav Avadya Yosef, because Rav Avadya Yosef also poskins about the ear plug, and Rav Avadya Yosef basically just quotes previous poskim, and even when he sort of structures the argument, it's more of a technical structuring. It's a double jurabanan, it's a minority of the body, and it is on the inner orifice, which according to some opinions is only rabbinic, um, and according to some, it might even be considered balua, deep in the body, and it's not a problem, and if you can't remove it, maybe that makes it not a chatzitz, and he just sort of adds up all the different factors that are a basis for leniency, and says combined, you can rely on that position and say that it's not a problem. Gets to the same result, but one that does not come through a deep dive and a conceptual dive into the earlier sources, and just comes from really like adding together different leniencies rather than a fundamental conceptual explanation like Rav Moshe has. So now we go on from this issue, from this question, to another question which is about a temporary filling. And this was also very early, even earlier, 1928. And here again, Rav Moshe approaches this through a conceptual mode. This is from Yordea 197. Um, and the case is that a woman has a temporary filling, which is going to be removed in, let's say, a week or two weeks, and can she go to the mikvah with this filling in her tooth? And the reason that it would be a problem, even though this is a case that she generally wants it in her tooth, so it's Eino Makdid, is because there's an opinion quoted in the uh, Shulchan Aruch that if a woman will want to remove this later on, even though she doesn't want to remove it now, that constitutes Makbid, something that she does not want on her body. So Rav Moshe says, it seems to me that that's only when the circumstances would come up that she might want to remove it now. The example is a woman who wears a ring. If she needed to need bread right now, she would remove her ring. So that type of a case where it could happen at any moment that there will be circumstances which will make her want to remove it, that's considered makbid, even though there's not an active makbid going on at this moment. But, says Rav Moshe, in our case, where she needs to keep it in for two weeks. She needs to keep it in. There's no situation in which she would remove it. So even though two weeks from now she'll want it off her body, right now it's considered to be something she wants on her body. Now, he could have stopped there. That's a very logical distinction, right? Something you want now and you don't want later. Right now, the reality is that you're not Makhbid. You don't care about it. And only something that might be like any moment now, that would be something that would constitute makbid. makes total sense all on its own terms. But Rav Moshe doesn't end there. And Rav Moshe says what we really have to do is we have to conceptually understand what is this idea of chatzitza altogether. 
And here, once again, he goes to a fundamental conceptual framing. And he says, Vinay, this question about whether something you're going to be makbid on in two weeks is considered hakpada right now, it's, it's depends on why we think not being makbid on something makes the thing called not a chatzitza. There's two ways conceptually we can understand this. Aleph, to whom Ahmad didn't patel the goof, Kivan Shalo Ichpatla, Im Yashir Sham, Vinachav Kibsara. So we could say because you want it on your body, you don't want to remove it, you want it on your body, therefore it becomes like a part of your body, and therefore when the water hits it, it's like it's hitting your body. This is now your body. Or number two, it's It's not because of becoming nullified to the body, and then he gives a proof about the fact of rov and enomakbid, which I won't go into. What he says is the following. It's not that it's part of your body and now the water has touched your whole body. He says, the halacha is different. The halacha is, if you have a chatzitza, the tefillah is invalid. Not that, the tfila, not that the water has to actively touch every part of your body. No, you have to be totally underwater. Your whole body has to be underwater. But as far as the water coming in contact with your body, that's a different halacha. It's not that it has to come in contact. It's that if there is something that's defined as a chatzitza, that invalidates. And what is it that is defined as a chatzitza? That is something that you're makbid on. Attentive listeners might realize that this way of two ways of thinking of things some degree parallels the two ways he dealt with the issue about the beta starim, about the inner orifices in the previous kuva. Anyway, says Rev Moshe, these are two conceptual ways, and I have to say that this is the conceptual way of thinking about chatzitzot. Um, and it's much harder the first approach, because to say something becomes part of your body would be a much higher standard. It would seem like you really want it on and need it on and so on. That would be saying that almost everything would be a, or not almost everything, but these types of situations would be chatzitzot. It would be much harder to make something a non chatzitza because it starts by being a chatzitza and you have to make it okay by making it part of the body. So to reach that standard of it's now like it's part of the body is a very high standard. Whereas if you take the other approach, the other approach is as long as the woman is underwater, it's a good tefillah, unless there's something we're going to call a chatzitza. So it goes the opposite direction. Everything starts by not being a problem unless you can categorize it actively as a chatzitza. And that leads to a much smaller scope of what constitutes chatzitzot. And Rav Moshe says, that that would be the difference here. If you had to make it part of the body, the fact that two weeks from now you're going to want it off, it can't be part of the body. But if you are question, is it a chatzitza now? Are you now makbid on it? Is it something that falls into the category of chatzitza? Since you're now not makbid on it and that possibility won't come up anytime soon or it won't randomly come up, it'll come up at a fixed time later, then therefore it is not considered a chatzitza. And that's what he says. If the standard is making it part of the body, that would not be satisfied. But if you have to make it define it actively as chatzitza, you can certainly make a distinction between whether you're makbid on it now or makbid on it only in a fixed time later. Now, what lets him paskin like the second approach? Well, this won't come as a surprise. Because the second approach makes more sense, which it does. So here he is both basing himself on his conceptual framing 
and also deciding which part, which side of that conceptual two approaches is the one that is more convincing. He didn't do that in the previous tshuva about the earplug. Um, there he said those two things are true for different parts of the body. Here he says, since the second approach makes a lot more sense, which it does, so therefore, you can say by a temporary filling, then Rav Moshe throws in some other factors as well. So again, very powerful, great lumdus, great conceptual way of framing it, and then willing to paskin, not only because he believes in his conceptual framing, but he's also decided which one of those two options is the correct one. We wrap up by talking about a couple of practical cases that are important to mention because of how practical they are, and also to show that Rav Moshe was not always the most lenient posseg. And the cases here are from a couple of Qvod. One is Igris Moshe Yerdea 196, and this is about an issue about, um, about braces. And in another Qvod, Yerdea 1104, he deals with the issue about a uh, false eye and contact lenses. The first one is from 1952, the next one is from 1959. And what Rav Moshe basically says in these two Qvod is, if you're wearing braces, for maybe a medical purposes are different, but if you're wearing them for to, to straighten your teeth for aesthetic purposes, he says, you're makpid. Now, why are you makpid? You made a conscious choice to wear braces. Yes, says Rav Moshe, you made that conscious choice, but they, because they get in the way of your eating and they're painful and so on, um, you right now are really upset and annoyed that they're on. You know they have to be on, but at some level right now actively you don't want them on. Even though you've said it's worth that distress, you know, that discomfort, nevertheless, because you are having that distress and discomfort, that makes them a chatzitza. And in this way, Rav Moshe is different from Avavad Yosef. Avavad Yosef says anything that you want on your body, um, certainly for medical purposes, um, is not a chatzitza. You have made a decision that you want it on. That means that you are not makpid, and the fact that it's uncomfortable does not make you into makpid. And here you see a case where Rav Moshe's conceptual framing actually leads to being more stringent uh, because he has conceptually defined chatzitza uh, in a particular way, the active present annoyance suffices to make it a chatzitza regardless of the overarching desire. Whereas Rav Avad Yosef can pick the poskim who say that, look, this is the basic desire. It's not a chatzitza. Rav Avad Yosef says, great, let's go by those poskim. It's a serious issue. We can be lenient. It's rabbinic and so on. And he can go by those poskim and he has a lot more freedom because he is not constricted um, and committed to one particular model. So this shows us how Rav Moshe's approach is fascinating and inspiring in the sense that he goes by his conceptual model, he believes he can poskin by it, it's our responsibility to understand the primary sources to the best of our ability, and even to select which approach makes more sense, even without proofs, but if a particular side of this conceptual framing is more convincing, we can rely on it and go by it. And at the same time, this can also limit the range of freedom and possibility, and also lead to stringencies, and even Rav Moshe here could be strict in some of these cases of chatzitzot. Thanks for listening to Igris Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dov Linzer. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Shivat Chovevei Torah. Don't forget to subscribe and check out ycTorah.org to learn more.